summer series on the taking these R E words. You guys remember when I was gone in July, um, you guys spoke or were, were kind of on these R E words. And so I decided to keep that going kind of up until now. We've been looking at these R E words from Scripture that I think are so important to our walk with Jesus as we walk with Him. The first word we looked at was remember the power of remembering. Um, we talked about when, remember when the children of Israel came over, uh, they were coming to the promised land, they came across the Jordan River, and they put up these memorial stones, and, and, and some, some places in, in the Bible, you can see the topic, it's stones of remembrance, and what they did, and they would do this at times, they would put these stones in a pile, and they, and they would say, why are, we, why are these here? They are to remember what God did, or remember what God said. So when your children or your grandchildren come along years down the road, they say, what, what is this memorial? What are, what are these stones? And we can remember what God did. Because it's in the times when we're going through maybe difficulty or a challenging season, we can say, yes, but God did this. Yes, but God said that. I remember what he did. I remember what he said. And I'm going to empower remembering. And we can see that. And, and then we talked about the most powerful, significant moment in history. Um, well, the Christmas and resurrection, the two biggest events in history. But remember what Jesus said when he broke the bread. He said, remember me. Whenever you eat a bread, drink of the cup, remember my sacrifice. And so we, as Christians and followers of Jesus, we should never forget what Christ did as we remember him and remember the things that God did. Uh, the second word we looked at is the word repent. That, that, that word that's been somewhat hijacked by culture as this can be seen as this kind of harsh, angry word um, that we tend to associate with you know, people screaming at uh, you know, angry words and repent, but it's a beautiful word. It's a beautiful word that Jesus taught, John the Baptist taught, the Old Testament prophets taught, Paul taught, and the idea is that there's godly sorrow that when we are not walking in the ways of God, it, that it's not guilt and condemnation and shame from the enemy, but it's this word repent and sin, come back to me, I have a better plan, and this beautiful word repent that we are um, that, that in our walk with Christ that is so important to change of our heart, our mind, that leads to change of action. Then, last week we looked at the, the word resolve. We watched a message by Nick Ripken, the guy, the author of Insanity of God. He's a movie that's out. It was in select theaters one day. Um, it did so well. It was an encore presentation. The movie is called Insanity of God, based on the book. Let me tell you right now, you need to buy that book and read it. Okay? You're going to be hearing a lot more about that book. Dean and I just finished reading it. I'm telling you folks, it, it will it will it will change your life. I mean it will really have an impact on you that I, I can't even describe right now. Um, the the base of the story he tells his story of he and his wife being in uh, Mogadishu, uh, you know, in, in, in some of the hardest parts of the world doing ministry and he shares in the book his frustration where they didn't see seemingly they didn't see much fruit. People that were rejecting the message in the, the hardest, darkest places on the planet and what they went through. And I'm not going to talk too much because you're going to buy the book and read it. But the first part is their story. Then what he did is they come home and they're still a bit beaten up and they feel drained. And he said, We've got to learn because he did his wife did missions in those days. He said, We have to learn how to help people in these hard places. And so the second part of their ministry over the last 15 years, they have gone, and he has gone to parts of the world and interviewed people 
sat before them and he did hours upon hours, hundreds upon hundreds of interviews with people who have endured suffering and persecution to be a follower of Jesus. And what they did, and he said, instead of learning kind of like this curriculum, I've heard these people's stories. And the second half of the book is that is the stories, and they will absolutely destroy you in a good way. It is the most amazing thing. It's like reading the book of Acts, um, the things that happen. These people lived under intense persecution. I'm going to share one story out of that book because if you ask my, my wife, my kids, I can't stand it. I got to tell you something. Um, they tell me that I ruin plots the movies all the time. And you're telling too much. I'm like, no, it's so good. Um, you'll forgive me. And if, you're, if you have one of those problems that you have short term memory loss, it'll be okay anyway. You hear the story again. You're like, I've never heard that before. And I'm like, well, you heard it a couple times, but that's okay. Um, but he gets to meet with 150 uh, leaders of house churches in China. You guys are familiar with parts of China. Um, it's intense persecution against Christianity, and so they have to have these underground church movements, and so he has an opportunity where he gets to meet with 150 of them. The stories that come out of that, he interviews some of them, and he interviews some of their, the, the individuals, but um, as he's sharing with them, that, you know, that they, are so, they are so naive in the Lord that, that I mean, they don't understand. He said, has anyone else heard this message of Jesus in other parts of the world? Has it gone beyond China? And that's how little they know, because they live in the most rural areas of China. And he said, oh yeah, because there are millions of believers all over the world, and they just begin to stop and work to God because they heard that there are millions of Christians. And what they do is, in that meeting, he said, they have access to about three or four Bibles, and so they were tearing out books of the Bible and handing them to each of those leaders. To take, so they were. He watched one of them. He didn't know what they were doing at first. He just saw him taking a Bible and ripping it, and they would rip out the one. So you get Genesis, and you get Exodus, and they didn't able to take those back to their underground churches and begin to teach because they, they don't have access to Bibles. But what God's doing in the middle is that the church of Christianity is exploding in China. It's unbelievable what God is doing there, and so He begins to tell them about things that are going on in America, and they get really quiet when he starts talking about that we get to come here and worship together without fear, like, you know, open. We can drive here, and we don't have to listen these secret coaches here. about how they have these secret codes, and we get to move their meeting places constantly um, as to not get caught. And so they said they're sitting very quietly listening that we get to do this freely. And he talked about how many different versions of the Bible that he has that he can delete. And he said, and, 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 and he said, you know, what, he's not quite sure because of the language breakdown. He said, translator, and, and they said, do you understand the miracles that you get to walk in every week? And he's like, I'm here to learn from you, and you guys following Christ. And they said, no, you don't understand. Do you understand that it's a miracle what you have? That it's an absolute miracle that you get to meet freely? Did you get to read the Bible freely? Do you understand the miracle? And he said, at that moment, it was a holy moment, he said, I'll never take for granted reading my Bible again. I'll never take for granted when I we take communion, because that was one of the things they did. They would take communion and just weep. That they get to take communion together as these other believers that they... And these, this was a highly risky move that they did to get all these 150 people at the same time in the same place. They didn't normally do that. 
because it was so easy for word to spread and the wrong people here they could arrest a bunch of these leaders. And so Nick was saying, I'll never, I'll never look the same again at taking communion. And he said, so how we can just kind of go through the motions because we get to do it so much. So he, he said, they reminded me of the miracle of getting to read the scripture, getting to corporately worship together. And I share that today, and, and again, I was a little off, off the track here, but to be reminded, guys, of the preciousness of the things that we have in the Lord. To remember the first few church, he said it was amazing through all these interviews, and he shared this. He said, Not one of them asked, Please pray for us that we won't be persecuted. He said, None of them asked, and nobody, nobody requested that. He said, They did say this a lot pray that we will be faithful in the persecution. Because he said to them, Persecution of Christianity, it was not a divorced idea. It was if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to be persecuted. Guys, don't take for granted. Don't leave the awe and the wonder of what we have in Jesus. You know, read the book. I'm telling you, read the book. And then if you want to set up, man, I, I, I'll do a book club for everybody that wants to come over and just talk about it and play and cry because uh, of what God's doing with that book. When the movie comes out, we'll do a public showing. Um, but I encourage you to get that book in standard God. Today, I want to look at the word remains. And it really just works and it goes in line with what I've been talking about um, over the last few minutes, remain. Where do we get this word in the Bible? Um, it, it, it's one of the most, I think, strategic texts in the Bible in our relationship with Jesus. Um, probably in the New Year, I'm actually I'm looking at doing a series, kind of diving in to John chapter 13 through 17, right before the arrest of Jesus. The other gospels just kind of mention that they gathered together. You know, we have the story that they gathered together and they shared in what we call the Lord's Supper. They were sharing the Passover meal together. The other gospels just kind of talk about that a little bit. And then it says that he was, you know, uh, that he went out and then he was arrested. John gives us a, a kind of an intimate portrait of Jesus gathered together in the upper room there and he sends these, these chapters explaining what was going on where we have Jesus washing their feet. Again, I'm not going to get into all the details, but it's a strategic passage in that Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's instilling in them um, kind of these last words that I'm going to give you before my arrest and crucifixion. Now, we know that death could not hold him in the ground. He was going to talk to them again and he was going to rise from the dead, but these words that he was going to instill in them before this event of the crucifixion would happen. Getting them ready. You know, we, we love that John 14 says, don't let your hearts be troubled, right? And he's talking about, you know, you believe in God, you believe also in me and my Father's house and many mansions. And the guy, I'm going to go into faith and it's a promise of eternity that Jesus did. Well, they were going to need those words and we need those words. He said, you're going, to, you're going to need to hold on, don't let your hearts be troubled because there's some things that are coming that will have the tendency to make you have a troubled heart. And guys, we, we are all susceptible to having a troubled heart when we are walking at with the Lord and things happen in this life where Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. John 16, one of the things that he says before his crucifixion. In this world you will have trouble. And that trouble can take on all kinds of different looks. And for them, the disciples, he was saying, don't let your heart be troubled because you think about what they were getting ready to endure. After his resurrection, after he ascended to the Father, they were all they were hunted down like animals and they were killed, imprisoned, tortured, 
And we have the stories of, the, of what they endured, and they were going to need to hold on to the words of Jesus. Don't let your heart be troubled. This is just temporary. We can endure to the end. We can make it. Well, one of these things he says, I'm saying, John 14, the promise of eternity, in John 15, he gives them this passage of your name. You know, he gives us that, that analogy. He said, you are, I'm the vine, you are the branches, right? And we remember that. That's very famous. And so that's, that's the context here. This is all happening right before he's in the, he's in the upper room having this meal with his disciples. And he's giving them these last instructions. And he then tells them this word remains. You've heard the word abide, right? We also remember that song, ye abide in me and my words abide in you. Remember that song? Anybody sing that song? Okay. Oh, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, it's a good song. I don't know if you that's a kid. But the word there, by remain, are kind of interchangeable. And so, why this word? What was Jesus calling them to and us to? He wasn't just speaking to them. We know that the word of God translates over to us as his followers. And so, I want to hear his words. And not just forget what he says, but to receive them into our hearts and our minds today. So it's interesting that Jesus uses the word we translate into abide and remain. In John 15, he uses it 43 times. That's the Bible study geek in me. I'm like 43 times he uses this word. Now, it's interesting that when Jesus would try to convey a message, sometimes he would repeat himself. If he repeats himself 43 times, we might even take numbers. Think about that. If somebody that you're talking to and they want to give you instruction, and like my wife will ask me to do something, and uh, and and sometimes I'm hard of hearing, and I don't know if that's selectively or physically. I'm not sure. It may be a combination of both. Um, but sometimes she says, "You hear me just fine." I think I don't think you're hard of hearing. I think you're selectively hard of hearing. And then I usually go, "Huh?" And and it's funny when I get it. So they keep me sort of. But think about when someone's trying to convey, and, 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 they, and they keep saying it over and over. After a while, it almost might get a little bit irritating, right? Did you, did you hear what I just said? I, I want you to remember this. And, and they say it again, and they go, by the way, okay, if you didn't hear it that last two times, I'm going to tell you again. Think about them saying it 43 times to you. Okay, we can either, and I don't, you know, the disciples may have gotten angry at Jesus at times, but I think that they, they were a very bit cautious about But he says this word over and over and over again to try to instill in them something very important. And so if Jesus says it 43 times, I think maybe if he says it once, we should take note. If he says it 43, we probably really should take note. Over and over again. Because he didn't want them to forget. Just like he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You're going to have to go back and remember. So what did he want them to remember 43 times? Let's read John 15. Let's go here. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Some of these things I'm, uh, I'm just going to read. I'm not going to really unpack much today. Um, that'll be come later. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And so the goal is he, he wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to produce fruit in our lives. He doesn't just bless us. He doesn't. We're not just followers of Jesus just for ourselves, right? He wants us to be fruitful. And sometimes he will prune, and the idea of pruning is cutting away so that more fruit can come. You're already clean because of what I've spoken to you. All right, you're not, you guys can help me out. Every time you see the word remain, I want you to say that. All right, go for it. 
All right, in me, and I, and as I also in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must in the vine. You guys are doing good. Neither can you bear fruit unless you. Does it get a little annoying after a while? Jesus is saying it in me. I am the vine. Verse five. Let's go again. So the next one. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not in me, you will like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you in me and my words, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is verse eight. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. You need to remember that sentence today. As I, the Father, loved me, I have, so I've loved you. Let me just pause right there. Jesus loves you as much as God loves him. Can you let that sink in just for a second? When I was reading that this week, it overwhelmed me like a flood. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you heard God loves you. I want you to pause today, and I want you to hold that in your heart. Jesus loves you as much as God the Father loves him. That excites me. Let's move on. Now, in my love, if you keep my commandments, you will, just as I've kept my Father's commands, and I, in His love, I told you this today, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Jesus wants us to have joy as we follow Him. Again, they were going to need these words because of the things that they would endure. And as I've read the book, um, The Insanity of God, we read about people's stories of persecution and suffering. They have needed to hold on to the things that God has been speaking. And so before we kind of unpack the passage a bit, a bit more, I want to give you the meaning of the word that Jesus repeats over and over again. So let's go to um, this word, mene. That's how you pronounce it. the Greek word, mene. Okay, so... The words are powerful. And in the English language, we can lose sometimes the power and the significance of the word. Now, I'm not saying it was the wrong, as the, you know, the translators later on, the word abide or remain are good um, interchanges for this Greek word. But when, you know, when Jesus is speaking it, just like the word love, you know, there are different, there's actually different Greek words for love. There is, there's, you know, and, and we use the word love for everything, right? And that's why words are so powerful. You know, I can I can do that kind of you know bro hug. You know what a bro hug is? That bro hug kind of thing. You know, you, you, it's like what's up, bro? You know, and I can say love you, bro, and you can go like that. All right, so that has kind of one meaning, right? I'm affectionate, you know. But if I take you by the shoulders, I look in your eyes, in your eyes, and I say I really love you. You understand the difference? You see. There's something different that's going on there. And so even when the word love that we have in the Bible, it can get kind of twisted and we use the word love. So sometimes when you see this word, I encourage you to do your own research. Research what Jesus is saying. So this word, mene, so when Jesus is saying, mene in me, mene in my love, what he's saying is just place yourself there. Plant yourself there firmly. As in living there, living it, live in me, live in my love, live in me. He's saying this over there, plant yourself there. Don't depart. Don't leave. Be continually present. Don't move. 
endure. It has a connotation of enduring through things. Plant there even when it's hard. Place yourself. Live there even when it's difficult that you can make it to the end. That's the word when you hear this over and over again. Very mentioned it in his announcement about when Jesus, remember when he's teaching, he says, you know, those who obey my commands and they follow me, they will be like a wise man who built him his house in the rock. The floods, you know, we, we have that. Remember the song as a kid, the wise man built his house in the rock. The wise man and the foolish man have two things in common. The storms come. Jesus said, you will have trouble. And it's the wise man who has built his house on the rock. He is abiding in Christ. He has planted himself in Jesus so that when the storms come, he endures. And so, next time you read John 15, keep this in your heart and your mind over and over that Jesus uses His Word. Plant. Stay. Don't leave. The tendency is to leave. The tendency is to break away. The tendency is to run away. That's why Jesus says, a branch that is apart from me can't produce anything. It dries up and it withers. Don't leave. Remain in me. Remain. Stay beside me. Stay connected. My wife and I have a, you know, if you haven't noticed, my wife's a little on the short side. Um, when we moved here, she was like, the Minnesota women are so tall. You know, um, so well, they're Vikings, most of them. But, uh, uh, and so when we get into large crowds, we have this kind of thing. And, and here's the thing. It, uh, it was really evident when we were in China. If you haven't noticed, there's a few people in China. Probably. A uh, few more than America. And the Chinese have one rule. They get to where they're going, and they don't, they, you know how we as Americans are just kind of, oh, excuse me, pardon me. If you do that in China, you'll never get to go where you're going. If you hesitate in China, that means, that, and it's not rude, they just say, you haven't made up your mind yet. I was at a McDonald's in China. You know how we do this? We, we, have, we think the menu might change. You know, it's the same thing. Um, if you were in line at, in China, I did this, literally did this, you better stay almost like this close to the, They don't know personal space. They have no idea. You know, it's like, I'm in America. You understand my personal space? I have this little zone here that you're not allowed in. They don't get that. Okay. So the guy in front of you, I mean, you literally almost have to step into it like that. Because one time I'm back here, he takes a step up, and I'm just like going, oh, I think I'm going and, and they swarm in like, like, like locusts. And now I am like 60. You know, it's like, what just happened? They think you have not made up your money. And I have, and so I'm going. Um, but my wife and I, is, and we were in China this last time, it was interesting. We have this whole thing when we go through clouds. It can happen at the state fair if you've been there. A man. To say, all right, we're going that way, and there are a billion people coming this way, and. She's like, and she says, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Uh, stay, and I say, stay close to me. And so she, we have a thing that she grabs my shirt. And it's like a little tail that she's grabbing. Because I'm pretty good because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit taller in, in China. I'm the tallest guy in the country. Um, and so I'm getting through, and I know how to do this. And I maneuver, you know, and I'm going. And so she says, don't. And she grabs hold, and here we go. Yeah, and, she, and I make sure she's got it. You know, we're eating and bobbing, you know, and, and doing all this stuff. But, you know, the picture, the idea is, is that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, stay with me. Abide with me. 
You're going to be walking towards things that may cause you trouble. Again, not that tiny bit of trouble. You know, but it's a picture. It's things in life that are coming at you. And Jesus says, grab hold and don't let go. Stay close to me. And I will get you through. I will walk with you through this because he wants relationship with us. And what is our tendency? I got this. That's why Jesus is warning you. He says, don't disconnect. And we'll go for a while and then we tend to disconnect. Something trouble comes, comfort comes, I don't need Christ anymore. I'm kind of, I don't need that. And we kind of will veer off and go our own way and Jesus will stay connected to me. Endure, make it, I want you to laugh. And so Jesus gets to the point where he's saying, I want you to remain in me. I want you to stay connected to me. I want you to plant yourself and make yourself at home in me and my love. And here's the thing. He says, so that you will bear fruit. There's a purpose in that. He says, I want you to have a fruitful relationship. Nobody goes into marriage. You know, I, I, you think about when, when, when two people get married, and it's always fun to see pre, do premarital counseling and see the, you know, the, the stardust in their eyes and uh and you hear the couple saying, you know, we've got a game plan that we're never going to have problems, you know, and, uh, and, and inside I am rolling on for a while. Um, just like you kids are great, um, it's coming. But, uh, um, but nobody goes into marriage thinking, I would not, I, I, I just, I'm hoping we don't have a very fruitful marriage. I hope it's mundane. I hope it's average. I hope it's, you know... You don't ever set the bar there. At least I hope not. If you do, you might want to wait to get married. You know, mediocrity. You know, you don't hear a vow that says that. I cherish you, uh, you know, in mediocre ways. You know, I'll love you most of the time. Um, you just don't have that mindset. You, you, the idea is, is to be fruitful. And Jesus uses that word fruit. Again, he's using the analogy that he is the branch. He is, oh, he is the vine. He is the branches. And that when we're connected, we bear fruit. With, he said, the, the, the idea is I want you to be fruitful. I want our relationship to be fruitful. I want it to be wonderful. I want you to walk with me every day. Not that you won't have troubles or trials or struggles, that you fall down at times, but you get back up. And he says, I want you to have a fruitful relationship with me. Just like you can have a fruitful marriage, and it's not perfect. You have two broken human beings that are trying to spend their lives together, but you can have fruitful relationships. Jesus, I want you to be fruitful. And it's not just for you. It's not because it doesn't just stop with you. Fruitful relationships so that you can be fruitful in your life and have purpose. And that idea is all of us want to have purpose and live for Jesus with purpose. And so that idea is what it means to survive. And he uses this analogy, fruit. Well, Paul gives us the fruit in Ephesians 5. Let's go. Or, yeah, Galatians 5. Sorry, Galatians 5. So when Jesus says, I want you to bear fruit that remains, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. I want you to, Jesus saying, I want you to bear love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These things are proof that you have the Spirit in you. These are actually, the fruit is, Jesus said, you know, it's free by its fruit, so it's the proof that you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're walking with Christ. But you look at that list and how do you do sometimes? Do you ever feel unloving? I have. Okay, I guess I'll confess myself. You have joy all the time. There's sometimes that person cuts you off in traffic and you want to wring their neck. 
can't do that in my video because most of the time you know them. You gotta be really careful. You know. Man, small town, you don't get away from much. Peace. Do you walk in peace all the time? Or you have anxiety times? Stress? Hardships? Patience. How's that going for everybody? Patience. It's a hard word, right? Kindness. Do you ever feel unkind? Goodness. Do you ever feel like you're just bad? <laughs> you have a bad day? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How are those things working out? And we struggle. And the idea is not that we don't struggle, but the idea here is that most of the time, if I'm having a long-term struggle, here's the difference, is that I've disconnected with the vine. That I disconnect myself from the vine. And when people are having long-term things, a lot of times, you know, are, you know are, you, are you spending time with God? Are you worshiping God? Are you spending time in His Word and prayer? And, and you'll find that those things have been disconnected for a while. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be fruitful. If you remain and stay connected, you, you, you will remain you will remain fruitful. The fruit will be there, even in the struggles that you can pick it back up. But if we leave and we move and depart, it, it, the, the opposite is true. We begin to drive up and the relationship drives up. And that's why Jesus says, if you don't plant there, if you don't stay there, if you don't endure with Him, if you disconnect, He says, you're like a branch that lays on the ground. And if you've ever you know, cut a tree down, cut off, cut off a branch, you know, it, had, it might even for a little while have the, the look of life, but it's not too many days where the, everything starts drying up, the leaves start drying up, if there's fruit, it will begin to dry up because it has no lifeline in it. It can't bear fruit. That's why Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do anything. You can do nothing. And that's nothing of significance. We can pull some things off. We can be morally good for a while, but he said, being morally good is not God's goal. Being holy and being fruitful is what God wants us to do. Staying continually connected to his life. And then he says, those branches that just lie there, the only thing they're useful for is to be burned up. It's pretty hard language of him saying, don't disconnect from me. That's why they've had shocking stories, and you've heard them, and you've seen them, people that you love, friends, loved ones, who have maybe walked away, they've disconnected from God in a long-term way, and it's heartbreaking, isn't it? I mean, one very, very dear friend of mine out east, and... Uh, this guy was a phenomenal worship leader, um, gifted, talented beyond anything that I can describe, more talented pinky than my whole body put together. And a dear friend, dear friend, and he is now living, you know, where he's, you know, agnostic maybe at best. And he has just walked away from the Lord. And it's heartbreaking, you know, you see it from a distance and uh, his wife has confided in a family sometime like on Facebook and she believed for him. He's not mean, he loves his family, but he's just disconnected from Christ and it's so painful to watch. And it can happen. And that's why Jesus, the important thing in there that I wanted you to understand that where he loves us as much as the Father loves him, he says, one of the words, he, that, that word remain, he says, in my love. 
Okay? It's not just about being more moral. It is about a relationship, a love relationship with Christ and stuff. Remain in my love. You need to understand that all goes back to His love. The disciples, they weren't martyred to their faith because of they, that they were moral guys that just wanted to keep the rules. They were martyred because they loved Him. So don't forget the idea of the relationship that He wants with us. He wants to bear fruit in us so that we reveal Him to those around us. You know, those days where you don't feel very, your outward circumstances don't feel very patient, and yet you have supernatural patience. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I can point to those times in life. I used to be very stressed, but all of a sudden I, I feel God's peace. Have you ever been there? Well, you know, you're almost, it's almost like a mysterious thing to you. It's like, I, I'm walking through this, but God's peace is there. And that's where we say thank you, God, for the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our lives. Again, that it, it bears fruit in, in and through us. It's always in us and through us to show people, to reveal people the reality of God. So we reveal Him by remaining in Him. Not leaving, not going our own way, but planting and dwelling and enduring. And when we remain in His love, fruit is the byproduct. You don't have to muster up fruit. You don't have to, you know, be kind of this strange idea if you could talk to an apple tree branch and he's like, you know, I'm really going to try to do that. Well, if he's connected to the lifeline, it will produce apples. But you don't have to strain and work it up. If you just say, I'm going to abide in him, I'm going to remain in him, I'm going to plant him with him, I'm going to live with Christ. Then the fruit happens with the byproduct. The question is, are you connected to the source? Are you connected to the life? And remaining in Him also gives us spiritual power. Again, not in and of ourselves, not for ourselves. Spiritual power is complete confidence and trust in who God is and what He's doing. And that's why I want to, just very quickly, because if you remain in me, my words will remain in you. You can ask wherever you wish, and it will be done for you. That is not, and people have blown that passage out of, out of whack. It's not for me to stand up here and go, if I remain in him, and he remains in me, and his words remain in me, I can ask for a Porsche 9-11, and it will be done for me. It's not what that means. I can claim this or claim that. People have used this out of context. Because Jesus goes on, he said, this is for my Father's glory. Right? You see, you need to translate the Bible with the Bible. We don't use these passages to think simply to ask for selfish things. Remember what James says? James says, you have not because you ask not, and you ask with the wrong motives. You ask with selfish motives. That's why God's not answering your prayer. And so, James makes a distinction. If you are praying selfish prayers, God's not hearing that. It's always about fruit in and through us. It's all about God's glory. It's everything for God. And we're, we're created for God. By God, we are created for His glory to bring glory to Him. And then when we understand that and we are remaining in Him and His words are being out and we're walking in fellowship and relationship with Him, guess what happens? We don't pray selfish prayers. We begin to say, God, I'm asking for you to do this because I believe this is on your heart to accomplish and we come into agreement with Him. It's just a side note. That was for free. 
but we connect with Him. We're asking Him to be in us and through us that He completely satisfies me and that I'm confident in Him that He knows what's best for me. So how do we remain in Jesus' love? Well, very quickly, I'm going to go through three things here. <clears throat> Number one, go ahead and do the next one. We remain in relationship through prayer and His Word. You've heard me say it again, we're on this 30-day challenge, but do this every day, guys. Do it every day. This is, this, this is conversing and communication with God. Why is prayer and Bible reading so important? The Bible is the chief way God speaks to us, and prayer is, is our, it's our conversation of communication. Most relationships are having a breakdown. Where, where, where does it usually begin? Everybody right? Communication, right? We either have stopped talking or we don't know how to talk to each other anymore. People say that. And so prayer and reading the Bible is relationship. It's talking to Him. And again, if, it, if you're having a breakdown, go back to that and say, God, speak to me through your work. I, I want to know your heart. How do you pray? We can give you guides and ways to pray. But you know what? There is... We're not going to teach you some quick religious way to pray. It's to be honest with God. God, I, I love you and I need you. I'm desperate for you. And I want to walk with you and I need you to forgive you my sins. And I want to worship you and I want to thank you for everything that you've done for me. And we can, man, if you, start, if you pause and you begin to remember what God has done, you can spend time in the worship of God for a long time of what He has done. So remain in relationship with prayer and word. Number two. Remain in fellowship with the body of Christ. It's interesting that Paul uses the analogy. He says we, we are the body of Christ. And if you look at what Jesus said in John 15, remain in me. You know, when, when we're doing life together, and when we're connected together, we are connected to the head, right? It's the same thing that Jesus said. If a branch is away from the tree, it can't produce fruit. And so a hand that is removed from the body, it doesn't have life in and of itself. That's why Paul used the analogy of everything that happens in our body, the brain tells the body what to do. Jesus is the head. When we are connected, when we're connected together, we're connected in Him. We're remaining in Him. We are abiding in Him. When I'm connected with you, we are connected to Christ together. And there's life. And there's that word fellowship. We have fellowship together. And Fellowship, you know, again, there's that one of those words that lost a little meaning. Fellowship, we think, is talking over coffee. We have fellowship time. In the New Testament, that's not the word. The word koinonia is a Greek word that means doing life together. The idea is not that we just, you know, that we're just saying, hey, what's up? And give a bro hug and we're off. No, it's taking each other to I love you, I'm praying for you, we need one another. It is doing life together. And then we are connected to the body of Christ. We are connected. We are His body. We are connected to Him. And third is how do we remain in Jesus and His love is we remain on mission with Jesus. Over and over, Jesus has reminded me that you will bear fruit, right? You will bear fruit. That we love Jesus. We love and serve. We do that together. We fulfill His purpose in Letting His purpose be filled uh, in and through us, to our neighbors, to those around us, to our community, to our region. God has called us here next week and Vision Sunday. I'm going to be really talking a lot about that. 
uh, that we are called here. God has placed you here at such a time as this in history. But to reach others, again, it's not just for us to let you just turn in on itself and stop with us, but how we reach others, how we love others, how we serve others until He returns or He calls us home. That we are on purpose. And that's how we remain in Him because Jesus, when He was here, and He's still on mission, right? To the power of the Holy Spirit. But when Jesus was here, He was on mission and on purpose. And He said, the Son of Man came to speak and save the lost. That was His mission statement. And He was on purpose to do that. And He said, if you're abiding in Me and remaining in Me, and you're running through the crowd, and you have Me, and He said, you have Me by the, by the shirt tail, I'm going to take you into place, and we're going to go, we're going to minister the lost, we're going to see lives transformed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit until He's done with us on this earth or He returns and we all get to go to glory together. But that's for everyone. We don't retire from the kingdom. Older folks, let me challenge you. You do not retire from the kingdom of God. You don't reach an age and say, well, I guess I'm done. You're not done until He says you're done. Young people, don't be diminished by because you're young and, 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 and then you feel like you have to wait till the magic age of whatever to be used on purpose for God. There are many children, there are kids that are doing great things for the kingdom all over the earth. And we're called together as the body of Christ to remain in Him and His love. We stand with you. I encourage you to be here next week for, for the vision Sunday. I'm going to be sharing some things that are coming, some, uh, some future, like some future vision some things that are, I'm very excited about that, that the Lord has been speaking, so I encourage you to come out for that. Um, at the end of this time, you know, um, the, the sound guys will put some worship music on. If you would like prayer for anything, if, if, if there's anything that, that me and a couple of leaders can agree with you in prayer, uh, please come up. We would love to uh, just to agree with you and, and, and to pray with you if you need prayer for anything before you leave today.